0: Hello, and welcome to episode 245 of Outnumber the Podcast. Today, we have another one in our marriage series for you, and we're talking about marriage as a covenant today. So we're going to cover all um, what, what marriage means to us as Christian women in a monogamous marriage, and we are so excited to share how we have made our marriages last. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to this episode. We are excited to share another one in our marriage series with you guys. And can I just say for a second here how incredible it is that this is episode 245? Bonnie and I are getting so close to like 250.
1: I know. I know. What are we going to do? Some sort of party. I don't know. Every time we hit 100 something, it's always fun. But 250, that's a solid quarter of a thousand, right? It's crazy. <laughs> So thank you guys for listening. And for every time that you write a review or send us an email, it always is so nice to know that people listen, especially we've been getting a lot of comments on YouTube lately because we're on YouTube. If you ever want to see our faces while you listen, you can come on over. I promise it's nothing special, but you can see us talking. (laughs) Okay, so Uh, Bonnie always is wearing something cute and bright and colorful, so (laughs) it's worth it. Yeah. Audrey's (laughs) always wearing something handmade, so anytime you like it, just be like, oh my gosh, make me one, Audrey. Uh, So talking about marriage is so fun. I mean, it, it is a serious topic, but we like to have fun with it too, because you have to, it's, it's a relationship that will be in your life forever. And so we, we often joke about how we are married very, very often marry opposites, right? Opposites attract as they say. Um, and what I've noticed is, that it can be really, really fun to kind of tease each other about our weaknesses. But I'm so grateful for my husband's weaknesses where I can shine and his strengths where I don't have to shine because I'm not great at them. I will just say that sometimes in in our jesting, We do have to be careful that it doesn't cross that line into bitterness, you know, because sometimes I get irritated. Why can't you just do things the right way? Why can't you just, because in my mind, the way I do it is the right way, right? Which is not true. It's just one way of doing it. So I just wanted to share that, that, you know, keeping your sense of humor when your spouse does something that drives you crazy is so important. Just beware that it doesn't cross into that, you know, the, the sarcasm, the biting humor, right?
0: Yes, that is that is so good. I I love the way that we I mean, if I do say so myself, I think our marriage series is great. <laughs> because I think the paradigm is for marriage is like all love and rainbows up until, you know, the wedding and then after that maybe you get a little honeymoon period but then start griping. Like and and we're very definitely not start griping. <laughs> So, today's episode is another one in kind of this common vein or theme, and we're going to talk about marriage as a covenant and what that means. So, first of all, to start off, what is a covenant? So, a covenant is an agreement or a promise, it's usually formal, between two or more people or groups to do or to not do some very specific things that are listed.
1: Yes, I love talking about marriage as a covenant because I firmly believe that it, that it is. And in my mind, a covenant is always something uh, that is done with God as a partner, right? Especially marriage. Um, we, when we view it as a covenant instead of just like this, maybe a, a promise or or some some level that's not quite as serious, we don't gain um, that that bonus level of like seriousness sobriety of of commitment that comes with the word covenant that is a serious serious word right we believe that it's this vow it's this oath that we do before god right and so because we do that that i i believe that god is also a partner in my marriage and so when things get unbearable you know we've we've had a couple of moments where i'm like oh my goodness this is way harder than i did, I did not sign up for this right that i'm able to take it to god and just say hey i know that you are invested as much as I am in this relationship, tell me how to proceed, what do I do next?
0: Okay, so we're gonna go through the elements of traditional vows and like that most of us have said when we got married and and discuss them. And um, so just to give you an idea of the place of experience that Bonnie and I were coming f- from, um, my husband and I have just celebrated 27 years of marriage and Bonnie and her husband are Almost a twenty, so that's like almost fifty years of marriage experience here that we're coming at you from. Um, so just just keep that in mind. We're not saying everything that we say in this episode lightly, but there's there's been some huge amount of work to to back it up.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up too because it is so easy to look at a marriage from the outside and be like, "Well, it must be nice for them. theirs is easy. It must be nice for them. They always like each other." <laughs> Let the record show. No marriage ever always likes each other. That's just how it works. That's family. And what is so beautiful about a marriage is that it is a family relationship you choose. It's the only one you get to choose. The only one. Which is both super powerful and also a little scary, right? Like that decision, oh, is not one to be taken lightly. But also when things get hard, remember you chose. Now you didn't choose everything your your spouse then chose to do, right? We can't, we, everybody has their agency. And then we, we get to figure out how to deal with the actions that our spouse takes, whether we like them or not. But stepping into that power and acknowledging that is so, so, so important. Okay, so these traditional elements are really fun to dive into because we really want to pay attention to what we are promising when we make this covenant, right, with our spouse. Um, The wedding ceremony that we do in our religion is actually uh, has some different wording than this traditional one, but we're going to go through the traditional one because I think it's pretty common and all of the concepts are pretty much the same. And that first line generally tends to be, I, and say my name, right, take thee, my spouse's name to be my wedded wife or husband, right? Depending who's saying it. What we love about this concept is that it indicates that choice, like I was saying, right? It is a choice. We're not forced into it. We're not arranged into this contract. Thank goodness. I mean, there are countries that do that. And actually, a lot of them work out really well. So maybe there's something to be said for that. But um, acknowledging that choice, like I said, it's the only one that we choose. It's allows us to step into that power that even when our spouse does something dumb or we do something dumb right we say yeah but i still chose to be here and i can still choose to to move forward
0: yeah it's so cute so of course um we have some adult children and um my husband and i have just kind of really enjoyed watching them we have one married and one almost married in fact maybe by the time this episode goes live they will be it'll be past their wedding day i i'm not quite sure but it's so fun to think of them and saying these vows and like being at the beginning of the marriage journey. And side note, like not everybody says these traditional vows. Like um, I think a lot of couples write their vows nowadays, but this is kind of like what every, everything is like, this is the springboard for what all the other vows are, you know, based off of. So anyway, um, Yes that that choice so some people believe that god chose their spouse for them and that's what my husband and i believe and it's been like a super powerful holding power for us to trust that god in his infinite wisdom chose the right the perfect person for me like the yin to my yang or whatever you want to say like everything that i needed for the future growth and everything that my husband needed for his future growth was a seed in the other one. And like that, like, like he put us together for a reason. And and that to me has been, that belief has been super powerful in holding us together because then it's not me. Like, yes, I, I chose to accept what God had, what had, who God had chosen for me, but like, it's not, if I can choose it, then I can unchoose it. Right. Just kind of making it more powerful than uh, just inside of me.
1: Oh, I love that belief that is so, so, so beautiful. And, um, I love what you're saying about what you needed to learn could be or, or how you needed to grow could be a seed that was in your in your spouse because, guys, how do we grow? We grow through turmoil, (laughs) through hard things. We don't grow because everything is hunky-dory. I mean, sometimes my husband teaches to be something that is amazing and it didn't take a trial to get us there, but very often it's something that we didn't agree on, or it's something that we had to come together on and and kind of talk about and, and disagree on a little bit. That's such a powerful concept. And I love what you're saying is essentially that you did have an arranged marriage, but God was the one that arranged it. I love that. That's so beautiful. So I personally believe that my spouse and I knew each other even before we came to earth. And that might be kind of woo-woo for people. But So I love this belief because it helps me to know that our relationship extends beyond earth, right? And um, sometimes that big picture is the only thing that keeps me sane, right? When things are not working out and I'm frustrated and I'm angry, I just think, yeah, but we have so far to go still. I want to keep working on this. It's important to me.
0: That is a really cool belief. And I am definitely open to that belief as well. I think one of our kids, I can't remember which one, told us like pretty much as soon as they could talk that they chose us (laughs) they were in heaven. I was like, so I definitely am open to the spiritual, metaphysical world, that there's something bigger than me. Okay, when they ever get mad
1: at you, do you ever just say, yeah, but... (laughs) I can't remember which you cho- one. <laughs> Dang it. Just assume it was all of them. Yeah, you chose them. to come here, darn you. So you do love me whether you like
0: me right now or not. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. The next phrase is to have and to hold from this day forward. So what does have and holds? Like you start thinking about that and breaking it down. Well, in the past, have has various meanings, but it includes physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual, more. It means to have something. And if you look back in history at that word have, it, it holds all those connotations. Yes. And, and hold is just like a, a
1: beautiful further step into that direction, right? It can, it's protection, provision, nurturing each other. Um, the historical meaning is that you hold something to keep it. You tend it, you watch over it um, and holding your spouse in every area of life. I think is just a beautiful, just beautiful imagery.
0: Yeah. Sometimes those of us with large families think about all the holding that physically has to happen, right? Like we, we have to, um, you know, provide and protect and all this physical stuff. But I know in some of our other marriage episodes, we've talked about, um, holding your spouse emotionally, holding them like mentally watching out for, and helping them in all different ways. To me, this is all about trust. Like everything is shared, like your emotional state, your physical state, your mental state. Like you don't have separate bank accounts. You don't have separate separate emails or emails that the other can't access. Like your communications, like everything is shared. And it's all part of this to have and to hold that makes it, it's like the vow that came out. Yeah, I love that you brought this up. And as we were
1: talking kind of similarly about this in our Making Friends episode about like rules that we have inside our marriage, I don't believe that, you know, having a separate bank account is necessarily evil, but what it does is it opens up the opportunity for secrets. And that's what we're trying to avoid, right? Is that this trust makes so that we we're never tempted to hide things right and i will be honest as someone who has struggled with spending in the past it's very easy to want to hide things to not feel bad about your spending or or anything else right um communication such a big one right i i admire people who have facebook um accounts that they share with their spouse because you you're just protecting yourself from the potential of of heartbreak so i love that this trust means that you know exactly what's going on in their life and they know what's going on in yours. doesn't mean there can't be surprises or whatever. You don't have to tell him every second of your day, but that trust is really, really important. So to move on, uh, let's talk about the line that goes something like for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Another beautiful one, right? I have a lot of amazing examples in my life of couples who have encountered some really, really hard things. Um, One in particular I'm thinking of where one of the the partner's is, um, is has some debilitating health issues and cannot do anything for herself. And the spouse does everything. Everything. Now, did he run off and decide to find a new spouse when all of a sudden she couldn't walk or couldn't feed herself or couldn't take care of herself? Of herself? No. He stepped into this really, really hard place of caring 100% for the spouse that he committed to before her and God and angels and everybody like this was his commitment and he was not going to walk away from it. And I'm so, so grateful for those examples because life is not easy. And right now when we're young and and spry for the most part, um, it, it seems easy to promise this. But as we get older and life gets harder and our bodies start to break down, we are still contractually obligated and hopefully obligated in our hearts too to
0: care for this person that we that we love so much, even when things get hard. Yeah. That phrase is pretty much all encompassing. Like there's no situation where you're like, Oh, yep. Covenant's over. <laughs> Divorce is not an option. Like you don't, you don't say, Oh, well, you know, when you, when I married you, you were rich. I also have some really beautiful examples, like from a child. I just um, got the opportunity to spend um a weekend with a childhood friend that I grew up with. And her, um, dad was in a wheelchair for, um, there was an, accident and he was in a wheelchair for most of their marriage. And she, like they, like it wasn't even a thought for her to, you know, this is, this is the end, but every situation. And, and we know, like you were talking about marriage being forged through the fire experiences. This is, these situations when there's financial distress, when there's sickness, when there's health, when there's di- disability that is when it gets really hard. But my sister shared with me something that somebody, um, a minister said to them at the beginning of their marriage. And it was, don't even use the word divorce lightly in your home. Like, oh, if you do that, I'm going to divorce you. Like, Don't even use the word. Don't even let it come into your home. And I thought, well, that's that was really, really good advice. It's treating the whole concept lightly and just divorce is not an option. Yeah, I love
1: that. I, I personally like to think of the word divorce almost like the word death. Like I would never joke about my spouse's death. I would never joke about the death of our relationship, so we don't joke about that either. And and I firmly believe that when there is an escape clause to anything, it's just harder to be fully committed, right? Like when there's a cancellation policy for a membership, I'm like, all right, well, if it doesn't work out, I'm out. <laughs> and I know that's silly, but that is how it works in a relationship, right? So that is why we firmly believe in being married before um, you know, a, a sexual relationship and before having children because then you are glued together. You are bonded together, right? Otherwise, we bring children into a relationship that may or may not last. Again, sadly, marriages are dissolving at a, a rapid rate these days as well. But when we choose to be 100% committed, we are much more likely to give our children the, the household, the home, the, the family that they deserve, which is coming to fully committed parents who love each other. This ad is brought to you guys by Novally. You all know we both love to sew our own clothes. Why? Because it's so hard to find cute, comfortable, and stylish clothes with enough coverage. So that is why I started Novally four years ago. I wanted to give moms cute, colorful clothing options that were bold and fun, but also kept us from flashing the neighborhood when we were playing with our kids on the
0: swings. Novali carries tops, bottoms, dresses, and more. But the most exciting recent addition is the Letty bra a super soft comfortable knit bra designed by our favorite bonnie that you can wear under those lower cut tops or dresses that show a little more than you like
1: yes i'm so excited about this bra it comes in black and white and i wear mine pretty much anytime i want to forget that i'm wearing a bra i mean can you imagine wearing a bra that you're not desperate to take off at the end of the day that would be so great right Okay, be
0: sure to check out Novalee.co for the latest in stylish, colorful clothes for moms. And go get on the newsletter to be updated on their next exclusive designs. Okay, the next phrase is to love and to cherish. So love is a choice. This is something that I wish I would have realized a whole lot sooner in my life. But the only way that you can feel love is when you're actually Giving love. That is when you can actually feel the love. It's something you have control over. That is such an empowering thing. I can love you. like I don't have to feel love. I don't have to wait for someone else to show me love for me to feel love. I can love you and feel the emotion of love. Love is a higher form of existence that God intended us to, not only to experience, but to live in. And he provided marriage as that pathway to allow us to experience love. Yes, when I learned that concept, um I I
1: was really blown away too. You know, like Audrey can love me all day long, but until I choose to feel love towards her, I'm never feeling her love. She can't like send it through the airwaves to me. She can't I mean she can tell me lovely things, but I only until I choose to feel that love. So, opening ourselves up to feeling that love for our spouse is the only way we get the benefit of being married. Because if we're stonewalling the love, like he can send all the love in the world, but you guys know what that's like when you're in a fight, right? And he wants to make up and you're not ready? <laughs> you're not feeling any love because you- No, t- I, don't, I don't know what that's like. No, that's, yeah. Well, for those of you who have less perfect marriages, <laughs> maybe you might know what that's like. <laughs> but it, only until we open ourselves up to it do we get the benefit. So what are we waiting for, right? We want those benefits. And there are actual, some actual physical, visceral symptoms of feeling love. It's amazing. Live longer. Those who who feel love live longer. These are the benefits of that, right? They they heal faster. Their bodies heal faster. What? They have lower blood pressure, stronger immune systems. They're more physically fit generally. They have good heart health and a higher pain tolerance. What? Who doesn't want all these things? These are the results of people who have love in their life. Let's
0: like sign me up. So incredible, that love, the feeling like it actually is working a good thing in our body. So incredible. Okay, guys, that doesn't, like, I, I made a joke, but love is not without sacrifice, but sacrificing is what makes love valuable. You can't, like, if it just came easy, you wouldn't value it as much. It's it's because it's hard that it makes it so special. It's the things that, you know, think about rare minerals, <laughs> think about gold. It is precious because it is rare, right? And it that's what makes it valuable. And how and gold anyway, I'm not gonna carry that analogy too far, but it's it's valuable because it's hard. It's hard. And so cherish means to put it first in your mind, in your heart, in your life, like above everything else is where you need to put your your love in your marriage. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes.
1: And unfortunately, I think love is too too rare in this world. True love, like like unconditional love. It's so hard for us humans to wrap our heads around that. We just want, well, yeah, I'll love him, but he has to do the dishes. He has to step in the way I think he should. But that's not how love works, right? Um I I immediately think of the love we have for our children because what a blessing we get as moms to understand that love. I think I think that brings us so close. A mother's love brings us so close to understanding how God loves us, but but we still don't get it because we're just human and imperfect, right? But understanding that can give us a little glimpse into the potential for how we could love our spouses because that should be the priority. But sometimes it's easier to love my little kid than it is to love my spouse because I, I have expectations for him, right? I have things I, I think he should be doing. Um, whereas the love for my children is very often pure. And I don't know that that's necessarily the right way that things pan out, but sometimes it's just easier that way. I did want to share that uh, this last Sunday we studied uh, charity in church. First Corinthians thirteen is like the masterclass on charity. So if you struggle with love for your spouse, go read that chapter. It was like just light bulbs all day long. It teaches you so much about that pure love of Christ that that we can't get on our own. We have to pray for it. We have to work for it. We have to have help because we're we don't naturally come by that kind of pure love, but it is available to us. And like you said, Audrey, the more we step into it, the more we benefit. We're not doing it to help the other person who may or may not be worthy of it, right? That's the thing. None of us are worthy of it, but we get to benefit from it when
0: we share it. Ah, such good thoughts. And yes, that is one of two of my favorite chapters in the Bible (laughs) is First Corinthians 13. Yeah. Everything in there um, is something that I'm striving to do. Okay. The last part usually of traditional marriage vows is till death do us part. This is what God intended for humans that until one of our lives on earth ends, this marriage covenant, all these things that we're talking about continue until that point that one of us dies. Um, because there's, yeah, that was what God intended.
1: Yeah, I love that he didn't intend for us to just be dropping them like hotcakes and moving on to the next one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly.
0: No, a single monogamous relationships was yeah. was what he intended. Yeah. yeah. It it yeah. like there's verses in the Bible I didn't look it up. Matthew, something. Anyway, it's it's in there to so that you can find out what God intended.
1: Yeah, I love that. So this is a part where our um, the wedding ceremonies in our faith deviate from the traditional ones. We actually don't have this line in there because we believe that our marriages do last until the next life. And we call them sealing ceremonies because it is connecting our generation to the one before and the one after. So it's like one, one big human chain, which I think is really, really beautiful. Acknowledging that God's purpose for marriage is that it is, you know, in his hands, essentially, not that it's something that we just let go of when things get hard. That was not what what was ever intended.
0: Yes. Okay. So let's go through and talk about the difference between a contract and a covenant, kind of with some additional beliefs that, or some additional special qualities or traits that a covenant, a marriage covenant brings to our life. So the first thing is an expectation of trust. So like if you sign a contract with Verizon for your phone or AT&T or whoever, and like there is some trust there but it's not the trust of like um moral goodness <laughs> purity um it's that that it comes different like when you sign a contract for insurance there there's maybe some good behavior clauses about not not speeding or something in there but the covenant that we talk about with marriage is really all about our moral behavior and our our the trust that comes and is expected to come with that. Yes, that's so interesting. And and when we think about the contracts
1: that we human beings do with each other, they're mostly self-serving, right? It's all about, well, I, this contract is to protect me, right? Um, which always makes me a little bit sad when I hear about prenuptial agreements, because that's essentially what that is. It's a contract saying, if and when this marriage uh, dissolves, then I'm going to protect my assets, Right. that was never intended to be the case. It, It was intended to be this sacred covenant between you two with God supervising and so that you're all in it together. And, uh, that lifelong covenant, I think it does a couple of things. The first thing it does is like I mentioned before, it creates this really safe and, and, um, strong bedrock foundation for your family right imagine being born into a family where you didn't know if it was going to survive right every time we hear of a divorce i can tell my kids stress level rises they start thinking gosh especially the ones that are old enough to understand that happens to a lot of people what if that happened to our family and i've had my kids ask that and and i have to reassure them that no this is the covenant that i i made with god and with your father and this is you know this is forever um but having that foundation is crucial for kids to grow up in safety. And the other thing it does is it allows us to be our true selves. Like how many times have I done something dumb where I'm embarrassed and, um, kind of ashamed and, and my husband doesn't care. I mean, he might tease me about it or, you know, give me a hard time or maybe even uh, lecture me about it because it was dumb. And yeah, he still loves me and it doesn't matter. You know, even if it was something that ended up hurting him in one way or another, that is the, that is the strength of this lifelong covenant is, is being truly being yourself, feeling comfortable to be yourself and knowing you're going to be loved no matter what.
0: Okay. A covenant also involves a shared identity, which is kind of a weird thing. Like what other kind of contract would you sign <laughs> that would involve you sharing an identity with another person? Like the Bible puts it in the words of the two become one. It involves intimacy, but it involves all those other things we were talking about earlier. Like you're not your own person anymore. You are a unit. (laughs) And uh, just a quick side funny story here is there was um, a gentleman in our um, meetings that we go to every Sunday and he was having a difficult time learning all our names. Um, You know, we have a lot of kids and all that. And I can't tell you the number of times he called me my husband's name. And every time I would just love it. I would just smile and I would say, that's okay. I really think that's a compliment that you think of me as like connected with my husband. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. And then another another example of this is um, among the Amish, there is a lot of same and similar names used. And so like they will, I like say there's ten women in the community named Leah, then they'll start to refer them as, oh, this is Abraham's Leah, or this is Jacob's Leah, or this is, you know, their husband's name. And I just love those two examples of the shared identity that comes with this marriage covenant.
1: Yeah, I think it's too bad that our society has become so... I mean, I'm all for women's rights. Let me tell you, I am a a pretty feminist Christian, but it's too bad that our society has looked down so much on taking on your husband's name, right? Because I think what that's doing, it's not subservient. It's unifying. What it's doing is realizing that I'm no longer this person. He's no longer this person. We are this together. Maybe it'd be better if we chose a different name, a third one altogether. Maybe that would help people be happier. I don't know. But um, yeah, that two becoming one is so, so, so powerful. And an understanding that this is an exclusive relationship, that you only have this close tie with this one person. I'm reminded of how many times we learn in the Bible you know that the the analogy of Christ um marrying the church right that there there's an exclusivity there, and I think God is trying to teach us something there, right This is a little glimpse of just how jealous a God he is with his relationship with us as well right and and if we can figure that out in our marriage, maybe we can figure it out with our relationship with God too.
0: One thing that's really different between a contract and a covenant is the emphasis on forgiveness. If if the other so if the other party breaks some of the pieces of the agreement of a contract, then you're out, right? But the way a covenant works is with an emphasis on forgiveness because I am a sinner and I married a sinner. And so we start with that as our as our basis. So I know I'm going to mess up and I know he's going to mess up. And so I'm going to need to forgive and he's going to need to forgive. And like that emphasis on going into it, recognizing that I'm going to mess up and he's going to mess up and have grace for myself and for him and forgiveness for him and for myself as well. That is something that does not come in a contract.
1: Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. And another interesting thing is seeing the relationship as almost its own entity, right? And like doing things for the benefit of the relationship. You don't do that with a contract. I don't do anything to, to make sure the contract is healthy. It doesn't matter to me, right? But this covenant, like there is a need to put this relationship first and to improve yourself so that you can show up for this relationship in the best way possible. But I, I almost think of this covenant of marriage as like this living, breathing thing. And if we don't care for it, it can die. Um, even if neither of us is really at fault for anything, we're just kind of being lazy and not really making it a priority. Um, that's a real, a real risk.
0: Yeah. And the final part that I wanted to mention, um, is that with this marriage covenant, we invoke or we request holiness to be a part of it. Like it's not just between us and our spouse, me and my husband, it's between me and my husband and God. (laughs) And I can and should be asking for help, for divine help to make this covenant work and to help me keep my part of it and to help my husband keep his part of it. Like it is not, it is not just us. There's, there's another element of holiness involved in this contract, in this covenant.
1: Yes. I love that you shared that. I, I can't imagine trying to make a marriage work with just me and my husband. <laughs> We're just so perfectly imperfect, and, like you said, one sinner marrying another, and it would be almost impossible to make that work without that holy help that that divine intervention and being I believe that we are um entitled to special knowledge and special, um, consideration for this relationship that God is as invested in it as we are, which means when things are hard, we know exactly where to go for the answers. And it's not the internet. It's not Google. (laughs) We go directly to the source and say, I don't know what to do next. Right. I don't know how to show up better. I don't know, you know, or, or I'm struggling to forgive or I'm struggling to, to apologize or whatever it may be that, that thought, that knowledge that God cares about it as much as I do is a game changer. And it makes me realize that no matter how th- hard things get, I will always know what the next step is.
0: The the final thing I want to mention here about marriage as a covenant is I believe that marriage as a covenant with my husband is practice. <laughs> and that is for an eternal covenant with God, an eternal marriage, if you want to use that analogy, with his son, Jesus. And how well I am able to imperfectly work on this covenant and be involved in be one party of this marriage covenant is practice for someday the future marriage of the bride of Christ with him. And like you can think, you can discount everything that we're saying and say, oh, well, you know, there's those people, there's old fashioned and divorce is an option and all that. But in when, when it comes to the judgment day and eternity, like it's not, there is no out. (laughs) Every, every person is going to be there. There's going to be a marriage and we're going to have a part in that somehow or not. And like, I just, I just so much want to focus on that. My marriage is an opportunity to practice for something bigger and better someday. Oh, I love that concept. That, I And
1: really, if we believe that this earth life is not the end, then there's a whole lot of practice we're doing here, right? We're trying to become these, these people that we've been shown an example of in Jesus, and it's going to take us our entire life and then some to figure that out. But what a beautiful opportunity we have to practice with another imperfect human being and to have an amazing relationship in the meantime like this isn't supposed to be drudgery it's supposed to be fun and loving and exciting and it can be but it is it is work and we have to put the time and effort in into it that it deserves
0: okay guys before we sign off i have a little homework for you go look up your marriage vows that you said <laughs> And if you get the chance, maybe on your anniversary or something, say them again with your husband or read them again. Um, It'll help you remember and maybe have renewed commitment to this marriage covenant that you made. That's it for this week. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. And we're outnumbered. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Hello and welcome to episode 245 of Outnumber the Con- Outnumber the (laughs) Convenant. I'm not
1: marrying you, Audrey. It's been a day. It's
0: been a day. Oh my goodness.